This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Hey, good morning. Welcome, man. It is time for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Jay White, and I'm here today with Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg, and Wilts Cotrere, IT expert with Rankin County and IT instructor at Holmes Community College. Everyday Tech is MPB Think Radio's show about consumer technology and your very own personal IT department, all wrapped up into one convenient package. Jeremy can help you fix it. Wilts can help you keep it safe. And they can do both well here in good hands either way. We want to hear from you today. Got any tech problems, issues, or questions? Or do you have a story or experience to share? Call Everyday Tech today. The number is 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. You can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org, as someone did last week and told us to stop talking about right to repair. And I was like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it. I hear you, boss. I hear you. Um, Never. (laughs) They were like, we'd beat a dead horse. And I was like, all right, point taken, point taken, point taken. So, hey, yeah, I mean. We, we don't take all the po- well we take all the points we don't necessarily act on all the points but we'll act on that one I, okay i get it i get it i understand all right so we would love to hear from you today i gave a little tease during oh sort of kind of during the billboard i talked about all of the clearances going on now that were past the beginning of the new year and past all the holiday sales have you seen something that you really wanted to dig into but haven't yet and that led me down my whole rabbit hole of all the stuff that i want to buy and stare at and then i stand on the fence forever and then i ultimately don't buy it. But it was a it was a, a worthwhile flirtation for a while anyway, I guess. Anyway, Wilts, it's good to have you back, sir. How things been going? What's been going on with you? Oh, man, just, you know, staying good and hectic, but uh, glad to be back as well. Kind of missed you guys. Absolutely. We love it uh, when you're able to get away from the county for a minute and, uh, and uh, talk with us about uh, technology. Uh, I assume that uh, the county doesn't know you're here. Otherwise, they'd have something for you to do, right? Well, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I, I hate them all. The door's closed. They don't know. Don't tell. Everybody listen. Don't tell anybody. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Secret broadcast. That's it. That's yes. it. Well, it is good to have you here again. Jeremy, how things been going, man? What's been what's been going on? Hey, good morning, Jay. Good morning, Wilts. Uh, things have been busy. I have been all over the place, man. I was in Columbia earlier this week. Had two what? jobs up there I was working on. Yeah, uh, one guy that used to work with me, he was uh, on site trying to do some file sharing stuff, or he was trying to uh, fix some previous IT guys' file sharing stuff, and um, he couldn't make heads or tails of it, so he hollered at me. He was like, man, can you please help me sort this out? I was like, sure, yeah. So I went up there. It took a couple hours on site, and by the end of it, I had a headache. It's not common. I don't usually get a headache when you're doing this job. Uh-oh. I had a headache. Yeah, I didn't feel well. I had to go home and rest. Um, yeah, I was up there, um, place called Ability LLC. And then, uh, I was also at Ann's Embroidery helping her out with, uh, some of her issues. Uh, she had an interesting one. So, um, her husband's the graphic designer there and his computer, uh, he runs CorelDRAW 19. 
his Corel was starting to act up. And so he called Corel and they were like, oh, yeah, we've got the perfect solution for you. It's just going to be $500 for the new version of Corel and it will fix all your issues. Wilt says Corel still exists. <laughs> yes, for graphic designers, it is. Uh, yeah, in print shops, yeah, it's still a very wow. uh, application. So yeah, Corel was like, yeah, just give us $500 and upload the, the, uh, the new version and you'll be fine. Uh-oh. So he did that, and his problems persisted. So Uh-oh. I was like, well, you know. Did you get that money back? He did. Okay, good. Because I told him. The story said, could not continue for me unless we got that money back after I, that $500 I, fix didn't work. I said, Look, anyway, please proceed. Call them back and tell them that you would like a refund because all we need to do is call your sauce. If you or anyone you know has been running software, and it's been running just fine. And then all of a sudden you turn your computer on and it's not running anymore. Um, it's very unlikely that you need the new version that you need to go out and pay $500 for. It's more likely that you need to reinstall the existing modules for that program. In the control panel, you can go to add, remove programs and you can write in there and double click on it. And then you can hit modify and you can say repair your installation. I highly recommend doing that before ponying up 500 bucks for the new version, which you do not need. So I always like saving people money, but you know, 500 bucks, that's, that's a significant chunk of change. Yeah. So it's uh it's always a pleasure to be able to steer people in the right direction. Yes, indeed. All right. Got a couple of calls already lined up. going to go to Angie and mobile here in just a moment, but first we'll start with John. In Mobile. John, what's going on? Good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Uh, I've got a curiosity question. I have two cell phones, uh, one for work, one for personal. Uh, one's a 10 and the other's an XR. Uh, and when I have maps on, the uh, AT&T one, which is the uh, 10, gives me voice directions fine. And if I have the other phone on, which is on Verizon, the XR, and it, when I have the voice directions on that, usually the first two three words of directions, like turn right, turn left, go straight, whatever, uh, don't don't get sounded out. They just it, it starts in the middle of telling me directions. I'm just kind of curious as to what the issue may be. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um... Uh, have you made sure that your Maps application is totally up to date? I'm, I'm sorry, Map application what? Yeah, have you made sure that Maps is totally up to date? Are you using the Apple Maps? Or are you using Google Maps on that one? Uh, I, I think it's Google Maps. Okay, if it's Whatever Google Maps, I would recommend going in there and um, uninstalling the app and then just going into the app store and reinstalling it and see if that does Okay. I'll give that a shot. All right, John. We appreciate it. Uh, give us a call. Let us know how that worked out for you. John in Mobile. Now let's go to Angie, who's also in Mobile. Let's talk about some computer warranty option issues. Angie, uh, thanks for calling. What's going on? Um, yes, yeah, around the Christmas season, I purchased an open box computer from um, Best 
outside, and it's working great. I saved a ton of money um, when I bought it. It was greatly discounted. But when I wanted to buy the warranty, the warranty was like almost $200 for one year. And <laughs> I just don't want to pay that much um, for an extended warranty for one year. So I was wondering if there's some other company that um, I could um, purchase a warranty um, from. The computer is less than 30 days old. Okay. So um, as far as the warranty goes, uh, getting a warranty from Best Buy is determined by the value of the computer. So if it's two hundred bucks, then it, it, for for one year, it, it must be a pretty pretty nice machine that you got there. Uh, as far as your options for insuring goes, um, you can look uh, depending on the manufacturer. You might be able to get a plan directly from the manufacturer. I know if it's a Microsoft product, that's definitely the case. Um, you can look into Square Trade or Square yeah Square Trade um, Square Trade can extend uh, service plans to different items that you purchase. Um, you would just have to go to their site and see if they uh, honor those purchases from Best Buy and that particular computer that you purchased. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I thought it was kind of crazy that the warranty was that high, but they're charging it based on the original price. Right. Well, computer. you got you to think about the fact that they are trying to factor in the possibility that you very well might just uh, drop it on the ground and crack the screen, something like that. So it's also an accidental warranty, which is a little bit different than a manufacturer warranty. A manufacturer is not typically going to replace any kind of breakage, any kind of accidental damage, uh, or any kind of damage at all to the device unless it is a defect in those parts. So that is the difference between those two. Uh, a square trade warranty will also offer uh, accidental damage. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. You know, even if it was $200 for maybe even two years, but it's like one year, nothing ever happens the first year. You know, I, I have to caution you to be very careful with the nothing ever happens. You might just turn off your... Or you might end this call and just turn around and knock your computer off your desk. So be careful. Don't okay, don't tempt I it fate, You know, um, whenever I tell myself, "Oh, this is going to be an easy job. This one won't take any time at all." I will be there all day working on that job. So, <laughs> hey, that's the way it always is. Yes. Right. Well, I will definitely go ahead and um, call the manufacturer of the computer and see if they offer an extended warranty as well as square trade. Definitely. And make sure uh, if the manufacturer does offer an extended warranty that it covers accidental damage. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. Love your show. Angie, thank you so much for calling this morning. Up next in Tupelo is Mike. Mike, thanks for calling. What's going on this morning? Good morning, guys. My question is about home Wi-Fi. Uh, we are about to get fiber to our house, uh, enter the 21st century here, and wanted to see what equipment we would need inside the home to help make that service as good as possible. So you're trying to make your home, rural home internet work better, right? Right. We'll have two smart TVs and laptops and also voice, uh, Wi-Fi voice calling. 
Okay. Uh, so do you already have a hot spot, or how, how do you currently do your entertainers? We have a, a hot spot with AT&T, which is AT&T. barely functional due to their service in our area. Okay, another, well... Uh, another dead horse that's been beaten. <laughs> you're right. Uh, as is the subject on our show, unfortunately. Um, so uh, pretty much... Uh, you are stuck with some kind of a wireless carrier unless you uh, have satellite options, as in, like, few trees in your yard, on your property. Um, no, you no, might... no, no, excuse me. Maybe, uh, we're getting fiber delivered to oh, your house. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm oh. sorry. I misunderstood. It could be golden uh, fiber. So, so if you're getting fiber the house, your home, uh, probably nothing. Depending on the size of your house, uh, you might want to look into a mesh network mesh Wi-Fi, uh, which you can set up in uh, multiple rooms of your house. Uh, the main base station there will have to be set up with the uh, equipment that comes from your internet service provider, and the other two can be spaced uh, through your house. Uh, when you set that up, there will be an app that comes along with it that will tell you if your base stations are too far away from each other, if they're just at the right distance or whatever. But the cool thing about that technology is once you get it up and configured, you can move it around your house. So if you need better coverage in an area, you should just be able to just unplug it to that area. Okay. But uh, the the box say that, the uh, in this case, Tom Big, the electric delivers to us, um, should provide a Wi-Fi connection to our devices. Oh, absolutely. Typically, okay. yeah. Yeah, so we won't need anything else other than maybe the mesh network if, if we need to extend it. If if your house is big enough or if you want enough coverage, um, you will probably have to look at extending your network somehow if, if you've got enough square footage. Uh, and mesh networks are the best way to do that. But in most cases, uh, the default is fine. Most people are happy with that. It just depends on the size of your property, possible obstruction in your uh, the structure of your home as to coverage to other rooms and so forth. Got it. All right, great. Well, thanks for that answer. Appreciate it. All right, Mike, thanks for the call from Tupelo this morning. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Wilson Jeremy. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for listening this morning. You can email us, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Let's go right back to the phones, and we go right back to Mobile, and we have Jesse on the line. Jesse, thanks for calling. What's going on? Hey, considering the previous caller with the fiber coming to the house, depending on the age of his house, if he didn't want to use Wi-Fi, if he's got Cat5 running and a lot of the phone companies are using that for the phone jacks, since no, no one is actually using phone jacks anymore, yeah. he could hijack the phone jack for his room-to-room-to-room mm. connection. As long as he doesn't mind plugging in his base station. So you don't have to worry about having Wi-Fi running throughout the house if you're you know, worried about all these frequencies where you live or sleep. Very interesting. All right, Jesse, we appreciate that. Is there a worry about having a bunch of different frequencies flying around in your house, or is that just something that happens these days, guys? I mean, there's so many frequencies flying through your house. Um, as far as we know, uh, most of them are safe. But there is more research to be done, I suppose. Um, yeah. There beware, uh, but we uh, honestly... You know, Wi-Fi is so prevalent. Bluetooth is so prevalent. There are devices in your house that are putting out that stuff that you probably don't even know are putting out those frequencies. Not but to mention always, the radio stations that are out there. Right. 
this the show just went right through my head man it just went right yep. through my head into my neighbor's car um i it's always good to be to be aware of what uh, trade-off we make with technology but as far as we know um these things are mostly safe i mean i wouldn't sleep right next to my router um but as far as you know having it in your home carry wi-fi through your home as far as as far as the research shows as far as and you know who's done that research so i mean you know we we, we are always skeptics to a degree but i mean i've had this stuff in my home everybody i know does no no strange illnesses other than uh the average reported stuff i I think that some people have said that if they were too close to their uh, wireless router in their home that uh they were more prone to headaches and so forth um so if you're one of those people, definitely look into what There you go. There you go. Hey, Microsoft announced that it's going to lay off 10,000 employees. Uh, the story came out uh, today. Uh, big job cuts affecting 10,000 employees in a memo. Their CEO says the company will be making changes that will result in the reduction of our overall workforce by 10,000 jobs to the end of fiscal year 23, quarter three. Some employees will be notified today, but the entire 10,000 layoffs should be completed by the end of March. While Microsoft is making cuts, um, the company says that they will, quote, continue to hire in key strategic areas. Affected U.S. employees will receive, quote, above market severance pay, health care coverage for six months, continued vesting of stocks for six months, career transition services, ooh, and 60 days notice prior to termination. Uh, Microsoft currently has more than 220,000 employees. Wow, that's a lot. That's more than any city in Mississippi holds in people. Microsoft is the biggest city in Mississippi. Uh, And the latest round of layoffs (laughs) affects around 5% of its workforce. These cuts are also significantly larger than the 1% cut Microsoft made to its workforce last year. Um. He reveals the company is taking a $1.2 billion charge in its quarter two earnings that are due next week. Uh, The charge is related to severance costs, changes to our hardware portfolio, and the cost of lease consolidation as we create higher density across our workspaces. Uh, They're due to announce their fiscal 23 second quarter earnings on the 25th, and the cuts in the $1.2 billion charge clearly foreshadow some missed revenue targets people are anticipating in parts of their business. Um, they ended last year, last fiscal year, the $198 billion in revenue and $83 billion in operating income. And with Microsoft Cloud surpassing $100 billion in annualized revenue for the first time. So there you go. Uh, 10000 being cut. In the grand scheme of things for them, it's not even that much. But 10,000 people lose their job is a big deal at the same time. So ouch less than 5% of their workforce, but that's, that seems like a pretty significant number at a like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say, um, tech didn't have the greatest year. Um, PC makers didn't do well last year. There were less computers sold and it looks like, um, even smartphone shipments were down to 10 year lows. I guess everybody's finally got a phone they're happy with. But I, I mean, to a certain extent, and I, I mean, I don't understand what they were expecting because, right? I mean, we we had supply and demand issues. We still right. ha- we still have supply and demand issues. So, how are they? I mean, do we do we have supply and demand issues that they were aware of and still missed 
below the mark. If that's the case, then woo, that is really something to take a look at or something to eye or that may be quite a telling, uh, I guess, tip for the future of where our economy is going, at least for a little while. But if well, it not, goes in, yeah, it goes in both directions, though, because, you know, we've gotten to the point where seven hundred dollars for a smartphone is like the cheap low end one. You know, that's that's irregular. Yeah. Ten years ago, that was like, what, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, maybe. Yeah. You know, it, 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 over time, the the price of these things has been inflated so much or the value has risen so much, whatever the case may be, um, that people are not going to continue to, to pay those prices, especially with everything costing more money. I mean, like literally everything costs more money. So now it's like people are really trying to stretch their dollar as far as it'll go. And it's like, I'm not upgrading my phone this year. Why would I do that? The one I've got works, it's got a really fast processor in it. It does all the stuff it needs to. So the only way that these companies can combat this is by four stops lists. So it's like, oh, you've got that old iPhone. It doesn't run the newer apps. So you need to update it. Oh, now it's on uh, 3G. Uh, we don't support that anymore. You know, they're, they're antiquating all these things and forcing people to upgrade. Most people are perfectly happy with the device that they've got because hopefully they already own it outright and they're not interested in something new. And, you know, honestly, I'm tired of new, man. I don't want my interfaces to look new. I don't want my, my phone to look new. I don't care about the latest updates and all that stuff. I just want my phone to do today what it did yesterday. I think I speak to most people when I say that. So we're a little tired of all these extra bells and whistles and 100 milliamp hours that you can add to our batteries. <laughs> like People are fed up with it. Like, okay, the latest and greatest ain't that great. Nobody cares. Everybody's got a phone that can zoom in now. I mean, you know, the battery lasts all day for most people. Like, we have reached the apex of what smartphones can do from here it's a steady decline back to technology of the yesteryear, which I already hear is on the rise. Like people want flip phones again. People want all day battery life and they don't want notifications and they don't want applications and they don't want all this stuff popping up on them all the time. I was thinking about it the other day, man. I, I missed the world before everything went so smart, so digital, so quick, so instant on your phone. Like we're too informed at this point, man. And I think this is like a, a, a breaking point for this. People are like, you know what? I'm not going to put any more money into this technology because, frankly, I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah. I think uh, as the technology gets better and better, um, I think it undercuts um, most people's face-to-face -face interactions with people. Or it can, depending on how well you can use it. But the better that, you, the better that you can implement the technology – the more it undercuts your ability to go and see anything or go and not do only, anything. And that hurts. That, but most of the improvements for every man aren't there. Aren't there. They, don't, they care. don't care. It already takes already a good enough picture. It already lasts as long as it needs to. It's, yeah. it's just, at this point, it's an afterthought. All right, let's go to the phones. Alice is up next in Macomb. Alice, thanks for calling. Good morning. Oh, good morning. I ain't too familiar with all this fancy stuff myself. What is, well, that's good. You yeah. called into the right show. <laughs> what uh, S Y N C? What does that mean? You yep. want to know what the word sync means? Hmm. Yeah. This is okay. I know 
still remember my that was last year when I had to go and buy a phone at Walmart and just the old phone I'm using it as a alarm. So why did Adam go down so fast? So you, you were setting your alarm, and what happened to it? I used the old phone for the alarm, so this still popped up on this old phone. I don't use it, uh huh. Except for my alarm, so that word is up on there, and I don't know what it means. Uh, usually, sync on a phone would mean that uh, you wanted it to connect to your email accounts and download all your emails on a regular basis. So, so you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to do anything with that. If, if you're looking at it up there on your notification bar, you can just tap it and it should turn it off. You'll either see it, usually it was like uh, green and then it would turn like sort of like a lighter green or maybe a white or a grayish. Uh, you'll see it turn off. You can just, you can just turn that off. It's not a uh, phone like it's a old phone. I got a new phone. They put everything out of this one and that one, and I just only use this one for my uh, clock for my alarm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can I just remove that from there. Um, it, whenever you uh, have a, a smartphone set up, usually it requires a, a, a Google, an Android phone would require a Google account to log into it, and so the sync setting allows you to tell the phone, hey, I want you to sit here and check my email all day long. Um, I don't even think we have an option to change that on most of our phones anymore. But when Android phones first came out, they were very, very consumptive of battery. So um, that option was put on there to reduce battery consumption. If your phone was pulling a lot of email, then it might not last very long on your battery. So they gave you the option to talk. All right, Alice, we appreciate the call from Macomb this morning. Let us know if that uh, works out for you. Give us a call back or send us an email, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio with Wilson Jeremy. I'm Jay. Thanks so much for listening on this Wednesday morning. Hey, you can listen to this show each and every week whenever you want to. So you don't have to listen to it weekly. You can binge listen to it anytime you want. Wherever you listen to your podcast, search Everyday Tech or go to mpbonline.org. And look on that radio page, and you can find Everyday Tech all up on the mpbonline.org website. As I mentioned before this break, uh, a new controller has entered the arena for PC gamers. And I guess any type of gamers, really, because uh, using a Bluetooth controller is not really uh, just limited to PC gaming these days. There's plenty you could do, including mobile gaming with controllers now and all this kind of stuff. But uh, Google has released the online tool that it's promised for a long time now to enable Bluetooth support on the Stadia controller. It gives the, the cloud streaming gamepad a second life so owners can use it with PC, iOS, or Android devices, preventing the platform's central accessory from becoming a glorified paperweight. Stadia will shut its doors for good. Stadia, the service, uh, coming up tonight at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. So get your, get your Google Stadia in and tonight while you got a chance. Did you do the, the uh, Price is Right horns? Yeah, I was, I was, you know, sad about, I mean, you know, sad for Stadia. Yeah. I do wish they could have stuck it out a bit longer, I think, you know. Cloud computing has a place in the world that they were in a bit early in the game. 
and now Microsoft is out there like, yeah, yeah. we got Game Pass, Xbox Cloud, and all this stuff. Stadia's like, right, well, we're shutting our doors. It all, it's almost like they went too far in with it. Like they, uh, like uh, Android, Nvidia, Microsoft with Xbox and all their stuff. Of course, with Microsoft, it's a whole lot easier because Xbox and Windows can. I mean, you you've got the synergy. And so it's it's almost hand in glove with PC gaming um, if you have a Windows computer. But if you don't, it's wide open in that regard, I assume, to that to, to some extent. Uh, but hey. uh, owners of the Stadia controller can visit the uh, a web-based tool to unlock Bluetooth. The process is quick, simple, and easy to follow. First, you'll need to connect your controller to your computer using a USB-C cable. And ensure it's charged to at least 10%, then you can open the tool in Chrome and follow the website's instructions. Google and you it. have to use Chrome. Ooh, okay. That's clever. It is. <laughs> How petty. You have to use Chrome. How petty on the way out, right? Controller. Thou shall Chrome. Tip of the hat to you, Google. <laughs> no edge here, huh? No duck, duck, go. Got to use Chrome. That's you funny. Know, it has to be Chrome. Google announced in September that it would shut down its cloud gaming service. It refunded all game and hardware transactions starting in November, and several game studios stepped in to assist with uh, porting progress. Uh, for example, IO Interactive released a promised progression carryover tool for Hitman game players, and uh, Ubisoft is offering free PC copies of its game purchased through Stadia. So the other platforms, kind of like you were talking about, Jeremy, are already... Uh, picking up on this. It's even funny, too, because Stadia called their users Stadians, which I think is really cool. I like that. It's a cool name, yeah. It really is. Uh, and now Ubisoft and Microsoft are like, bring out your dead. Right. I don't... We'll take it's still, your people. It's fascinating to me how Google, who has more money than anything, didn't see... Like, how did this project have a, a failure point? Like this, this, this had to be failure proof, right? If you're going to put think, this much into it, and it's this far advanced for what the for what the standard operating procedure was for, uh, uh, I guess, cloud based gaming at the time, it was so far advanced. How could they expect to build any kind of inroads into creating this new industry in only eighteen months? Well, I think they went about it the wrong way. Because they were not a developer of games, not not any like you know, console games or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure Google's developed other stuff, but they were not a game development studio, and so they wanted to do that, and they wanted to develop content for Stadia. So they built that from the ground up to be a real obstacle for them as a company, and so I think. When they made themselves uh, their own developer, other developers were like, well, look, you're going to have to pay through the nose if you want us to even allow our stuff on your platform because you're our direct competition now. And so they did an about face and they were like, we're going to continue to develop our own cloud studio stuff. But you've got Ubisoft or Ubisoft, however you say it. And then you've got Microsoft. They're they're developers and they own massive catalogs of stuff. Google did not. And so because Stadia did not, they have to pay more for the content. So it just really 
they, they were in over their heads from the beginning, I feel like. I mean, I may be out of my element discussing this because I haven't followed it day to day. But I will say that looking at but you the are, you players are, you that are, are still in it. Yeah, you are a, a founding supporter, correct? I, I mean, I, I played it. I didn't subscribe to it because I didn't really – I didn't understand what the point was. I mean, oh, okay. Maybe for some people, but for me, I'm a PC gamer. I can play the game live on my screen. I don't have to worry about uh, latency issues or anything like that in most cases. Whereas when you stream the game, you do, especially if you want to stream it in 4K, which was expensive if you were on a metered plan or you're still uh, allowed a terabyte by Comcast or whatever the case may be. The amount of data it consumed was absolutely crazy. Very interesting. I wonder if somebody will come back when that market is a little bit more, uh, I guess, the, the infrastructure of that market is a little more established and laid out so that it's a little more accessible to more of the grander, uh, the, the greater marketplace, not just hardcore gamers. Uh, if somebody will come back and revisit that idea, because it, it, it was an interesting idea. Well, I think that Microsoft acquiring Activision is going to make it a monster in mm. the streaming world because they are going to have a huge catalog of games that no other platform is going to have access to. And I'm sure they'll gladly license it or however they go about doing it, um, but it's going to cost. And that's going to make them a serious contender from here on forward. Yeah, and it is interesting now that every uh, – we're, we're going through this scenario now, and I say now, it's been this way for a while, where every PC game you buy, you you wind up having to get the launcher for the developer. Oh, man. And, every Yes. And boy, There's oh, boy. So many. Boy, I love having six launchers on my computer. Epic and Steam and GOG and uh, the Ubisoft Connect and – uh, let's see what else EA and origin. And I mean, it's just like endless and yep. gamers would much rather a more simplified future. Not that we want uh, one company to have a monopoly over all the material, but it would be nice if there was a better way. Well, Wilts, how about this? They're putting a chip in the football. What do you think about this? The NFL has the technology to determine exactly where the football is on the field but still uses referee eyesight to determine critical plays. This Those revel- are cameras, right? That's a camera? I guess. This revelation, technology. <laughs> it follows uh, uh, Tyler Huntley's disastrous goal line fumble in a game here recently. How yeah, close? Like, point, point, like half of a foot or something like that? Or? Yeah. It was extremely I, close. Well, what I love about this know, more than anything, and this is just me being a nitpicky a radio guy, you hear the announcers all the time say the half yard line. There's no line there. No. The line, the line is at the one, and then at the goal line, there's no line in between. Jay has spoken. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. It, it was it was a matter of time before they were having chips. And I mean, come on. But, right. But people still want to see those guys on the side, and they still like you know. It's um, I think it's going to be a little bit of a hey, we've we've got the new, we have the technology, but you know, for as much as Team A or Team B complain. Oh, we got a bad call on this. We got a bad call on that. It's like we don't like a bad call on our team, but it's okay if the other team gets a bad call. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. What's funny about the story is that next gen stats, who are the people 
who use the chip in the football to generate data. They tweeted uh, back on the 15th during this game. Uh, and here's the tweet. Uh, Sam Hubbard reached a top speed of 17.43 miles per hour, the third fastest speed by a defensive lineman as a ball carrier this season. That's a ridiculous statistic, number one. Um, he, he reached the fastest speed of his career chasing down Hubbard. Oh, that's Mark Andrews, the defensive player. He reached 20.72 miles per hour but could not make the tackle in pursuit. How close was Tyler Huntley to crossing the plane with the football? According to the chip in the football, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. So, in other words, a little bit over a foot and a half, if my math, my Wingfield math is correct. Is that half yard, that half yard mark, right? Right, the half yard line. It was just past, not quite to the half yard line, if it were there. Uh, and so when Next Gen Stats tweeted about a chip in the football telling you how close within percentage points of a yard something was, well, football fans got sideways. The chip in the football, says Dan Wetzel, NFL writer, <laughs> quote tweeting it. Oh, my chip goodness. Gate. NFL fans. Now, chip gate. Yeah, there's a chip in the football, and we're still using dudes with sticks to measure first downs. That is true. That is very Flintstones of the NFL to still use that. Although there's a lot of technology in those first down markers, by the way, now anyway, and how TV marks those things. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, that's interesting. So there's some technology, and it is interesting to see that maybe we have the technology to perfectly tell whether or not first downs and things like that, touchdowns, incomplete passes, whether this thing is inbounds or out of bounds, had the technology like in tennis where the whole like in some of these tournaments like the australian open which is going on right now the whole ground is basically a surface that's being monitored by technology and it can tell you within centimeters if a tennis ball is in or out on a serve or any kind of play it's amazing how some sports lean into this technology and just use it and make their sport better and some other sports don't know what to do with this technology or any new ideas at all. Say, for example, here's Major League Baseball. They're expected to use an automated ball strike system across the AAA class of their minor leagues during the 2023 season. Uh, half the AAA contests will be played using the electronic strike zone, and half will be played using a challenge system, or for those unaware, a system similar to what is used in professional tennis matches where competitors can request the aid of technology to correct missed calls. This won't mark the first time that MLB has turned to so-called robot umps at the AAA level. Last summer, the Pacific Coast League began using the automated ball strike system. Uh, Colorado Rockies star outfielder Chris Bryant, a veteran who was on rehab assignment and playing in the Pacific Coast League at the time of the change, offered his feedback. He said, I wish there was more of... Uh, you have to have X percentage of the ball that crosses the zone for it to be a strike. That's what he was going for. Because the ones that just nick the corner, that's the gray area. As a pitcher, you're like, maybe it's a strike. And as a hitter, you're like, I don't know either. And that's where the umpire comes in. He judges it. So I guess maybe the players are saying that there is something to the mystique of a ball just grazing past a centimeter of the outside corner of the plate. And is it a strike or is it or not? Well, technically, if it does cross that centimeter, it is a strike. But is the umpire going to call it a strike or not? Well, with computers, it's going to be a strike every single time. And, and with, hu with humans, it depends on who it is. 
next year we'll be debuting the AI referee. I know. Uh, that watches everything that happens. It is interesting to think about how this could apply to other sports, and I don't, I don't know necessarily how you would do that, like how it could apply to NBA basketball, like whether or not a guy takes off from three-point range or if his foot's on the line or if the ball hit the out-of-bounds line or something like that or if there's a free-throw lane violation. or uh, Those are kind of wonky. Anti- I mean, but there's antiquated no rules, but trying to be, are we trying to be too accurate? I mean, yeah, well, you know. I mean, I understand that in the grand scheme of things, this is just a game. And are we trying to be too perfect with something that's imperfect? But at the same time, these games generate so much money. I mean, you can understand, I mean, just for the purposes of, and especially how pro sports in North America have leaned into gambling now. Yeah, they want to make sure that these calls are perfect because now, because the leagues are in bed with the gambling now, the gambling uh, sites and especially like the daily fantasy stuff and things like that. So I could see why they want to invest all they can to make it as perfect as they can without making it as disengaging for fans as possible. Uh, But I guess to the players, uh, I mean, there's still something romantic about having human umpires in the game, as long as it's not Angel Hernandez. Let's go back to the phones. Roger's on the line. Roger, thanks for calling. Good morning. Good morning. I have a MacBook. It's only a 2017 model MacBook Pro. It's just been updated. Apparently, I turned it on in the update. And all of a sudden, I have a screen occupied by some messages that I can't get rid of. They're just sitting there, and there's no way to cancel them out. I've started it three times. Do you know anything about that? What's the message say? Well, it's several screens. I keep signing out, and then it comes back. It's, uh, do I want a copy of my, keep a copy of my cloud data on this MacBook before signing out? I cancel that, and it just keeps coming back. Okay, so if you cancel it, you're not answering the question that it has for you. And it wants to know, do you want to delete the data on the computer, leave it on the cloud? But it doesn't. It only gives me one option keep a copy what i don't want to keep a copy you know okay i'll go ahead and keep a copy i guess yeah i would i would keep the copy and hopefully that probably alone now it's asking me to put my apple password in uh so that i can keep a copy and i don't want to keep a copy i mean okay so and i can't get rid of the screen it's welcome to tv is what it is it's only giving you the option to keep the copy. I would keep the copy, sign it in my iCloud account, let it do what it wants to do, and then delete the data if you don't want it. Just, and then you think just do what the machine to... wants and see if it see if it'll let you get past that prompt. Now it sounds like you got another problem. Uh, what problem? Well, you were describing some other issue. Well, it's got Welcome to TV. I, this is a new thing. I don't use my MacBook for TV. But all oh. of a sudden, I've got Apple TV. Welcome to TV. Start watching. And there's no option to get, to get rid of that screen. I can start watching. I don't want to. And there's so no... In the, in the top left corner, there's no red no. X to click on? Nothing. Nothing. And behind that uh, partial window is a larger window, sort of dim. And it has a bunch of these... Slow Horses, Ted Lines, a bunch of programs and stuff. And it has a little space for those little buttons up there in that gym picture, but you can't click them. There's no red button. 
So you can't click start watching? No. I can click start watching. Uh, What does it do when you click that? Okay, I'll click that. Oh, then that background thing comes in the full color. Oh, hey, that's an interesting thing. And now that does have a red, you know, an X button. Okay, so so if you've got an application stuck on your screen or you can't get to an X, you need to hit the Option, Command, and Escape keys all at the same time and force quit that application. And which keys? Thank you. That's uh, Option, Command, and Escape. Command and Escape. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. So that's that will let you get out of a sticker like this. That's good. Real yes. good. Now, a lot of times with Apple software, if you don't go through all the little prompts that it wants you to go through, it is never going to go away. So if it continues to pop up, try to click start watching TV. See if you can just get it signed into your Apple ID or whatever it is that it wants you to do. Then you can sign right back out and close it. I'm sure you're not going to use it, but they want to force all these things on new users, get your account signed in and all this stuff, try to make you use all this new stuff that you don't want. So um, if if for some reason something else pops up, just remember it's option, command, escape, and then force close or force quit whatever application will not go away. If it will still not go away, um, then you can uh, go to the top left of your screen and click the Apple. Go uh, down till you see restart. Click restart. Don't just hit OK or yes. Look and see in the dialog box that pops up. There will be a little checkbox that says open all the apps again. That I or open all the apps I have open now or something to that effect. But basically, uncheck that box to make sure that you get a fresh reboot of your operating system. That should get any kind of prompt go. All right, Roger, stay in, in touch with us. Let us know if that worked. And give us a call next week or send us an email, everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Hey, YouTube TV subscribers, starting today, they'll notice some uh, re, uh, refinements and tweaks to their library section. The new interface lets viewers see programming and recommendations at once and includes simplified filters for drilling down into the type of shows you actually want to find and the actual channel grid, which is the thing that I love. It's the thing that caught me in YouTube TV. Got me off of Sling, actually. It looks more like a regular channel lineup, like your old-school cable lineup. And they've refined that to be even better and cleaner. It looks very good, even though I'm no longer a YouTube TV subscriber because they changed the price 19 times while I was on it. Hey, have a good week, everybody. Stay tuned. Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart is next. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.